0: Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver, and I'm David Leary. So, David, did you catch
1: the debates? I did watch the debates. Yeah, uh, it's 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 must see TV. That's like five hours of. It's like remember when WWF would like put twenty people in a cage match? It's yeah. Like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's actually a very good analogy. My brother is in town from uh, New York, visiting for a week, and he loves. Debates and politics, and he's a well, he's a public school teacher, and and he's also you know a Democrat and, a, and very liberal. And I tend to, I like to think of myself as more in the moderate spectrum. I'm a registered Republican in California, so whatever that means, <laughs> a Democrat everywhere else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm like a Bush one Republican, which is kind of a weird thing to be because I, I'm not like a Trump guy. Uh, so it's been interesting watching the debates. I'm a big Andrew Yang fan. We've talked about him on the podcast.
1: He sees all about the bots are going to take our jobs. We need universal basic income. Yeah, he's talked about a lot of things we talk about.
0: Yes, exactly. And and he's the only one talking about automation in any like meaningful way, like the humongous like societal threat that automation poses. And I've actually got a story along those lines that I uh, uh, I will not forget to bring up because it does tie back to the debate with Andrew Yang.
1: I think he was the only one that brought up the point that he's like, this is like a reality TV show. And look what happened last time. We got a reality TV star as a president. I think that was one of his lines in the debate, which I thought was an interesting observation.
0: It's good. He doesn't get a lot of time. You know, it's like you can tell the moderators like, all right, enough from you, Yang. We know you're a one issue candidate. So, uh, you know, we're going to get back to the to the real debate. Uh, But uh, (laughs) anyway, I hope he keeps going as long as he can.
1: I I did my part. I, I I went in. and I donated five dollars to about six or seven of the candidates because they have to hit that threshold to stay in the debate. So, oh, yeah. so I did my part and donated to about six or seven <laughs> candidates to keep them into the debate because it's 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 entertaining. Like this should yeah. this should be on every week. I tune in. Yeah. No.
0: Very good. I please let's keep this going. So everybody, please donate to all those one percent candidates so they can get what is it they have to get now to like two percent or. They have to get two percent polling in order to continue
1: in the hundred thirty thousand individual donations or something. Yeah,
0: it's one of the either either one. Got it. So and we got. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit about automation. We also, of course, have to talk about the ongoing malware security QuickBooks hacking thing that's yeah, going there's,
1: on. There's more I mean, malware. I got uh, some QuickBooks Live news. Um, oh, yeah, QuickBooks a Live. Bit of, you know, news about the payments, and uh, that's about it. I don't have a ton of articles this week, but they're I'm, I'm nicely prepared though. What about you?
0: Uh, i got a few more small stories, like uh, Google Sheets has new features. Um, here's a survey about how many firms are using instant messaging with their clients, um, how much businesses are spending as a percentage of revenue to manage taxes. That's I think there's a real interesting value pricing uh, lesson there, potentially. And what else? Oh, how workers feel about robots and their jobs and automation in general. So shall we get to it with the security updates?
1: We uh, got a review, though, so do you want to read that?
0: Let's do that first. Five stars. Uh, This is from Mel Comer, CPA and outsourced CFO. CFO. Uh, Mel said, uh, David and Blake do a fantastic job keeping the cloud accounting world up to date on important topics. Always interesting, sometimes controversial, and definitely enjoyable. Suggestions. Would love to hear more about blockchain and cryptocurrency stories and how accountants are dealing with the challenges of having clients in that space. For example, show... 100 they mentioned emerging companies who track cryptocurrency transactions for clients bitwave is one of those and would love to hear you interview pat white the founder this is a huge need for our clients thanks guys awesome
1: well thanks for the review and suggestions
0: you know like every app right so i'm going to leave it to you to track down pat from bitwave
1: all right i'll I'll, I'll track down actually i think that might have been the company i mentioned that I oh, met no. at the uh, accounting show in LA. Oh, cool! Um, so we can yeah track that down. If there's more news that uh, makes sense, um, the, the one challenge I think with uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, they're in every news story. So like like every, in every app talks yeah. about AI or blockchain or, or in crypto. So like what bubbling into the news is what bubbles into the news. So but I could definitely yeah we'll check it out and uh, Ooh, yeah. it could be interesting. And I'll research a little bit on Pat White the founder. All right, so let's talk about uh, QuickBooks hacking. Yeah, so it was nice. We were talking about how great TV is, right? And the news. Well, so we know a story is getting a little bit uh, mainstream when Action News 6 Orlando is covering a QuickBooks ransomware attack
0: story. When you sent me this link, I thought it was just originally an article on their website and it was written by one of their interns. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. But then I realized they had embedded the video from the story up top, like this actually was evening news in Orlando. Well, the reporter went there, you know, he did the yeah.
1: with the camera with the microphone inside you know, in front of the business. And he's inside the business interviewing the business owner. So, the, yeah, it's like we always talk about this. Like there's this fine line of we're, you know, I'm in the closet talking to Blake about issues related to our industry. But I feel like when we're talking about stuff, it's because everybody's talking about it. And mm-hmm. this is proof. So yeah. uh, what's interesting about this attack, and so this is nothing to do with the NSYNC attack, other than the fact that it's ransomware. Right, ransomware, and there's QuickBooks involved. There's QuickBooks involved. Now, what was kind of interesting that this attack, and then, there, so there's the the TV news broadcast, but then there's also an article from healthcareinfosecurity.com. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so we'll put both links in the show notes. So a couple of things were interesting about this. It's a dental office, a dental practice. Yep. From what they can tell, the attackers did not do anything with patient records, medical records, anything. They only targeted the QuickBooks desktop data file, encrypted it with ransomware. And asked to, for a ten thousand uh, dollar ransom, and if didn't pay it within forty eight hours, it was going to go up to twenty thousand.
0: The dentist apparently he didn't have backups for about five months. That's correct. So he had, so he decided he had to make this choice. He said, "Okay, do I pay the ten thousand dollar ransom or twenty thousand if he waits too long, or do I simply scrap it and have my accountant redo five months of accounting?" And immediately after reading this, I said, oh, it's going to be cheaper to almost guaranteed to be cheaper to just recreate the five months of accounting. So that's what he's doing. Uh, But what what was really interesting about this to me is that there's a mention in the article, not a whole lot of detail, but a mention that hackers are purchasing kits to specifically target QuickBooks desktop files on computers. And, And like you said, only encrypt those and
1: hold those ransom. Yeah, they're, they're going after that data file because they know it's a business. And they know it's they valuable. Know it's valuable, exactly. Because if I mean, if somebody comes in and encrypts some pictures or something, you're like, okay, I lost those pictures forever.
0: And what if he didn't have backups at all, right? What if he had years of data in that QuickBooks file and hadn't made any backups or didn't know how to restore them? Then he'd really be, probably be forced to pay the ransom because it's you know so hard to go back many, many years to recreate your accounting information.
1: And it very specifically states he's going to pay his accountant. Yeah. Right. But somebody on Twitter tagged onto this and made a comment that, hey, this is a new service their accounting firm can offer. And if you think about it, like as long as you quote the price under 10,000, you're going to get the business.
0: (laughs) Oh, you (laughs) need to rebuild your your
1: data file? $8,000. Yeah. Like, like, so this this actually is going to help drive revenue for accounting firms, possibly, this malware attacks.
0: So, so how this relates to what we were talking about last week is that um, last week we were talking about the NSYNC ransomware attack and three other ransomware attacks that hit hosting providers, these managed service providers. This dentist, uh, his name is, by the way, Carl Belancione.
1: Apparently he, he, believe it or not, he was on Survivor once. He is a a Survivor star, the TV show Survivor.
0: I thought that was a weird coincidence, but then I thought there's like 20 years of Survivor and how many contestants do they have? So there's a probably good chance that like you personally know somebody (laughs) who was on Survivor, right, at some point. Yeah, he was on Survivor. You know, maybe he actually saw this as like a PR opportunity, right? He like calls up the... Um, the news station and talks about getting hacked. And now here he is getting, you know, free uh, advertisement for his practice, right? Oh,
1: I, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure he he gets that piece of it. Uh, one of the that was in the article that was interesting is the Seminole County Sheriff, Dennis Lima encouraged businesses to never pay the ransom. But then he went on to say that he's had nine reported incidents of this happening in his Florida County this year.
0: Nine incidents, wow. That so, didn't get news coverage, yeah.
1: This is probably happening... And people probably think they're in a silo. And also, I think, which, which is interesting about this, do you think if you're a small business and this happens to you, it's a little embarrassing possibly?
0: Oh, yeah. Right? I, uh, I, well, we know for a fact firms have been hacked, uh, and these are accounting firms, and the partners paid the ransom and never told anyone because they didn't want their clients to know. Yeah. And so, like you said, this pro- if, the, if this happened nine times in that county alone, this is probably happening every day. Uh, all over the country multiple times So, and people are just not admitting it or they're not, they're not advertising it. This guy saw an opportunity. And so, you know, it became a news story, but yeah, there's probably, it's probably a, a, a massive, it's a massive problem. And when it bubbles up like this to TV news then you know that there's something going on.
1: Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, I didn't see any other attacks, you know, out there, but if any of our listeners, if you've had your small business owner or your client has been ransomware, we'd love to, to, you know, to find out about it. Uh, I think it's mm-hmm. the only way this is going to get prevented is if people are aware that they're a target. So I posted this story after you
0: found it, David. I posted this on LinkedIn. Joy uh, Lizote said on LinkedIn that our local government or their insurance provider just had to pay $400,000 because of a similar situation.
1: I, I think I saw the city of Lodi right there in your backyard in California there. Not your backyard, Yes, yeah. it's It's way north. But apparently they admitted that they were ransomware a few months back, the entire yeah. city. So this is not stopping. It's just, I think, for our industry, it, it's very obvious there is a target at QuickBooks data files. Yeah. So make sure you're making your backups or switch full-blown to cloud because this is happening. And because this happened to a guy...
0: So this dentist, he wasn't using a hosting provider. He was just... He had the uh, file on his local network. Now, he did say that he had an IT firm that had secured it, but the hackers were able to get through that.
1: So well, the question he thinks, is, if you read one of the articles, he actually thinks it was another dentist in the office who was shopping for wine on a website in France
0: that got him infected. <laughs> oh, clicked a download or something? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, the users are the weakest link, right? So, the question is, should he be, have been using a hosting provider, even though hosting providers themselves are at risk? And I don't know how you feel, David, but I still think he's better off using hosting. Well, he's better off going to online, QuickBooks Online, and not having yeah. to deal with this issue. But if he's got to keep the desktop for whatever reason, then go to a hosting provider. Just make sure it's one that's like at the top of the pack. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to do if you have reliable backup procedure, yeah.
1: right? So you're making a backup on a daily daily basis, right? You're making back backup of QuickBooks data, but then you're doing periodic backups. Like every week I make a backup and I take that home and I put it in my safe at home or something. And right. then every quarter I take a backup and I take that backup and I store it at my accountant's office and they're safe or something, right? And to where- And
0: every you, year I take, make a backup and I bury it in my backyard. Something, and, right? As
1: long as yeah. you have like, you're keeping <laughs> all these backups. Right. If you grant somewhere, you're like, okay, f- screw you. I'll delete the file. I'll restore my yeah. new one.
0: It is true, like it doesn't matter if you've got daily backups. I used to make hourly backups when I had a desktop file that I was managing in my office manager days, and uh and it saved me a few times from losing half a day of work. so yeah, backups so cool
1: I think that that's gonna be the the lesson here is to make more backups and. In- just yeah, don't click stuff and the other thing he talks about uh, in both his articles about thumb drives
0: oh yeah like, don't don't uh, plug in thumb drives
1: and actually I have to lock this down at my house because my kids take thumb drives to school then they bring them home dad can you print this like I have to like crack down yeah. on thumb drives I think this year they
0: disabled our USB thumb drive capability at work completely because of this yeah like you cannot use a thumb drive um, I got a story here about LinkedIn and okay. how accountants can use LinkedIn better thanks to some new tools that are rolling out uh, this this was in Accounting Today on July 23rd. Michael Cohn covered this new, quote, open for business, unquote, marketplace that LinkedIn is creating. Basically, if you're any kind of professional, you can now list your availability, industry expertise, skills, and geographic location, and indicate that you are, quote, unquote, open for business and ready to connect. So turning LinkedIn into sort of a marketplace for professional services I don't have this available on my profile yet. I went in this morning to check and look. Apparently, it's rolling out gradually. So, you might want to go under your profile and, and look. It should be there uh, pretty close at the top in like this dotted, there's like a, a, a highlighted box, or it's got like dots, dotted line around it. And it will allow you, if you've been selected for this beta, to highlight your expertise. And then, I guess theoretically, business owners can look for you and find you uh, and hire you. Okay, so I got to... I don't know if they can hire you. So I'm
1: a firm. I got to make sure I maintain my Facebook profile with my business hours there and then do my Google business profile and my Yelp profile. Now I got a LinkedIn profile for my business I got to maintain. Mm-hmm. But I think all the right.
0: LinkedIn one is actually more helpful, right? Because it's tied to your actual resume and your social. And So if yeah. you're active on LinkedIn, like you should definitely be using this because it'd be a good lead gen tool.
1: I uh, For all you app developers out there, there's like nobody wants to do this. So if, if you can build one app where I could just update my stuff in one spot and you'll go up, populate this on all the services for me, people would pay for that because nobody has time for this. Like, are you, cause then you change your business hours and like, Oh, I gotta remember to go change on my LinkedIn profile too. Nobody has time mm-hmm. for that. Like this is just another hassle, but we'll see how that goes. Yep. Uh, the thing is though, any, any, any improvements to LinkedIn, I'm always welcome for, because I really dislike, I a of disdain for LinkedIn. So got it. You have to use it, though. You, you can't not be on it.
0: Oh, you can't not be on LinkedIn. Well, I think I like LinkedIn. You you know, you're a little more critical than I am. But just for me as a resume replacement, um, I haven't had to print out an actual resume and give it to anyone for years now because LinkedIn is my resume. And any company that I want to work for will accept that. I don't have to give them some Word document.
1: Yeah, but it's the messaging and writing messages and doing posts like it's all flaky. It's all Oh, it's it's and then the LinkedIn spam is the worst of all time. So, right. Well, that is that. unfortunate. Yeah, that, that's worse than any other. Me- it's worse than the blind phone calls you get. <laughs> the robo calls like sp- LinkedIn spam is worse than robocalls. calls. This episode of the cloud accounting podcast is sponsored by BQE core. As many of you know, I'm all about the niches and niche apps. Putting your business clients in the proper niche app is providing them with 100% solution versus at best the 85% solution of a standalone accounting app. If you have clients that are architects, engineers, consultants, or lawyers, Core is the app for them to best manage their firm, increase their staff productivity, and ultimately increase their profits. You don't need to juggle between multiple apps. Core has it all and an easy to use all-in-one app for project management, including time and expense tracking, budgets, forecasting, client billing, and accounting. Even though Core is an all-in-one platform, it still works nicely with the apps like Google Drive, Dropbox, OneDrive, QuickBooks Zero, and AccountRight, offering you and your clients the maximum amount of flexibility. Core offers a full-function mobile app and recently launched a cutting-edge voice-based assistant for your smart speaker of choice. To learn even more about BQE Core, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo/core. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo/core. Did I mention that BQE Core works great for bookkeepers, CPAs, and accounting firms too? So I got some updates on QuickBooks Live.
0: Yeah, let's hear about it. Yeah, those videos are crazy.
1: Well, before we jump in that yeah. go that far on QuickBooks Live, I actually saw an update to a post about TurboTax Live. Oh, okay. So yep. uh, this article was originally published on October 12th, 2017, and was republished on October 4th, 2018, and again on August 1st, 2019 with updates. Okay. And so basically it's it's the hiring page to do TurboTax Live, which we've talked about before is very similar to QuickBooks Live. Mm-hmm. The difference on this one is they talk about, and I'll, and I'll read this uh, straightforward. New this year is tax associate role to assist credentialed agents in assisting the preparation of 1040s. In addition to earning extra money on an hourly basis, tax professionals can take advantage of the benefits of being, ready, a W-2 Intuit employee and get bonuses 401k training and be part of the community. Hmm. so so it's, so it's a part-time job or not part, um, seasonal job but you are truly a w2 employee and i think from what we've seen this far on the quickbooks live side it was more of a subcontractor situation right not
0: w2 interesting so so most of the TurboTax live people are contractors then or are they w2 employees because this is i'm not i thought they were part-time employees but now i'm not clear on that yeah, and fact and
1: that yeah, that's why the sentence, it does say new this year. So it's just uh, going by our theory of QuickBooks Live is following the footsteps of TurboTax Live. It'll be interesting to, is there going to be an evolution of QuickBooks Live where some of these uh, pro advisors that are doing QuickBooks Live could become W2 employees? So continuing on that, QuickBooks Live now has its own landing page. So previously, if you were shopping for QuickBooks Online, you got to the pricing page, you could set some sliders and you hey, you could add on. Like you could add on QuickBooks Live bookkeeping. Yeah. Now they have a true landing page. So small businesses will just their entry point to the QuickBooks world is through a QuickBooks Live bookkeeper and then into the rest of the quick buying QuickBooks Online. And they are offering. A three thirty minute bookkeeping consult. So on that page, you can just click, sign up, and you get you can you can start your QuickBooks Live process for free.
0: And uh, we should say that the videos that they have added on these landing pages are very well produced and narrated by Danny DeVito.
1: Yeah, I would argue this is like a super level level ad commercial for QuickBooks yeah. Live. And oh. if. Pardon? Should we summarize
0: for the new listeners? Because we haven't talked about okay. this in a while and we've got a bunch of new listeners. Maybe we should kind of summarize what QuickBooks Live is.
1: Uh, the shortest answer would be it's like Uber for bookkeeping.
0: Okay. So I am a, I am a business owner. What I, I need bookkeeping done. So I just open up my phone and...
1: Your phone or your QuickBooks Online, you can do a video chat with a bookkeeper and they'll help you through whatever problems you're having. It could be a reconciliation, et cetera, recategorizing transactions. And what it's more like Uber is... You're, going, you're paying into it. You're going through into it. And just like Uber, every time I get a new Uber, I get a different driver. Yep. I'll probably get a different bookkeeper. So it's very similar to an Uber-style model. And uh, I'm just
0: looking, scrolling down this page and looking at the pricing, because the pricing continuously changes here. Uh, remember when we started talking about this, it was 200 a month? All yep. these prices here, from simple start with live bookkeeping up to advanced with live bookkeeping, they've got four tiers. Uh, it goes from 410 to 420 to four thirty-five to four seventy-five, so all in the four hundred to five hundred dollar range. Interesting, like it's such a small range. They've really seemed to have fixed the bookkeeping price of four hundred dollars a month. It's really not changing. The only thing that changes is the embedded price of the QuickBooks software.
1: Exactly, I, exactly. It's basically. It looks like right now it's for bookkeeping. No matter if you are a, a sole proprietor right? Yeah. Or, or the size of your business, it's $400 a month, which is uh, pretty much across the board. Yeah. Um, and the scope of
0: services, like what is the scope of services these days? If you watch the ad,
1: this ad really, truly demos the service. And my understanding is that this is a real small business owner and a real pro advisor that are both involved in this conversation. So this is the real deal demo of the offering. And what I like about this new commercial is in comparison to, and you may have saw this about three years ago, and To It had a very, you know, pie in the sky vision of kind of the future mm-hmm. of QuickBooks Online. And, and it was like this Uber driver, he's driving his, uh, tesla and the tesla is the big tv screen and his accountant pops up on the tv screen in the yeah. tesla <laughs> yes. and, and 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 he's talking about ordering flour for his bakery business that he also owns and it was a little it was a little on the it was a little too forward thinking yeah. but this ad is very realistic and there's screenshots and it shows interactions and i think it's truly showing the service yeah. um, it doesn't look like it it doesn't have that like screen images simulated Little piece of text that sometimes they put on ads. So if you want to see how um, it works, hit the show notes. They'll be linked to the YouTube video is in there. It Looks good. And if you think about this, like this, chances are this is going to be a commercial. So bookkeeping, bookkeeping is going to be a commercial. Do you know any other bookkeeping firms that are going to run a TV commercial during the Super Bowl? Possibly. No. This is huge. It's going to be big. And then for all those, because I think a lot of people. Right. I I think a lot of small businesses have this mindset of like bookkeeping. I'll just have my secretary do it. Yeah. Right. In their brain, they've never comprehended like, oh, there's actual real people out there that just do bookkeeping. Yep. And this is going to educate the market that there's these people called bookkeepers and they can help you with your QuickBooks.
0: Yeah. Every firm that has enough resources to film, like if you have ten thousand dollars. For your marketing budget, you should film one of these videos. It's not going to be as good. You're not going to get Danny DeVito to be, you know, the narrate it. But you can do it. If you could get, yeah. get Blake. You could get Blake. You could get me. We uh, we did this when I was at Arminino, Zero came out. They sent a film crew out because I was uh, a big zero partner, and they uh, filmed an interview with me and one of our clients and stitched all together very much like that showing how we work together using zero and some other apps and uh it was really cool and it's like something like that that shows just how the service actually works in a couple of minutes is really valuable not not only for the prospects but also for the partners in the firm that are going to be referring you work because they need to understand how client accounting services works so everybody should be doing this uh, no I argument that's all i that's yeah uh Shall we move on? Yeah. So I got another stat from CPA Trendlines from their surveys. You want to guess how many firms are utilizing a collaboration tool that includes instant messaging, David? How
1: many? Like, like internally or for with their clients? That's a good question. Uh, so I'm saying with their clients, uh, 15% and then maybe internally, I you know,
0: 35%. I think this is internally. Okay. The question is, does your firm utilize a collaboration tool that includes instant messaging IM? Yes is 39%. No is 61%. So fewer than half of firms are utilizing IM. And I'm guessing the rest are doing email or something. Uh, And if they answered yes, you might want to know what tools they're using. 26% are using Microsoft Skype for business. And 3% are using Cisco Jabber. And there's no other answers for any of the others. So it must be really, really tiny. I'm surprised Slack's not on there. It's kind of uh, kind of disappointing. I'm and, a we're big Slack fans.
1: I, I think it'll be interesting, like we talked about a few weeks ago, how Microsoft's um, Teams is really chugging along nicely yeah. here. That survey, it'll be interesting a year from now to see where Microsoft Teams is on that survey. I, I predict it'll be the number one tool accounting firms are using to communicate within their teams because they already they're already paying for it. They own it. They just have to yeah. flip it on.
0: And I wonder if maybe these these are this results are distorted because a lot of firms are very small, like one or two people, and why would you wouldn't need instant messaging internally for that, right? But you could be using it for your clients. But we're like you said, we're way we're way that's way out right before most firms are doing that. Yeah. Here's another app update: Google Sheets. The Um, ugly stepchild of Microsoft Excel, but you know, we really love it being in the cloud. I, I'm a, am ai learned how to use Google sheets before I learned how to use Excel, believe it or not. And they have added a few new, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. I I know. Sorry. I mean, I'm that. I'm, I'm in that generation, David, where I had Google apps through my university for free. And so that's what we, we use Google docs. We use Google sheets to do everything. And it wasn't until I got into the business world that I learned how to use Excel.
1: Did you ever use Lotus One Two Three
0: at all? Oh no, no, that didn't. That was not a thing.
1: I'm going to guess that you never used like WordPerfect
0: DOS either. I think we used it in like elementary school for newsletters or something like that. Okay, but yeah. Uh, so I'm a good big Google Sheets fan because I, you know, when something that you're used to from the beginning, right? It's very easy to use, uh, and I love the collaboration features. One of the things that's been missing is some of the more advanced Excel features that you just can't get, especially when it comes to building dashboards for clients or for any project you're working on. And good news, they have recently released two things that will really help with that, actually three features that will really help with that. One is slicers. So this allows you to set up a filter on a sheet that any user can easily access without having to dig into the settings for the chart or a table. If you're filtering a pivot table, basically, and all of the charts will update automatically, and then the other feature is scorecard charts. So it allows you to key in on a few metrics and, and see in a box uh, a really important number. So you know maybe if it's an airline, like in this example here in the article, it's you know base fare price and then passengers flown, and you got those right up top, like a like a dashboard you'd see in one of these apps. Okay. And then finally, they've got themes now. So now you can give all your charts a consistent theme and color. So basically, if you don't want to use A reporting tool, right? To create dashboards for your clients, you could probably do a pretty good dashboard in Google Sheets these days.
1: Well, especially because I mean, there's um, there's a couple apps out there that you can connect. I, I don't know on the zero side, but I know you can connect to QuickBooks and all your QuickBooks transactions go to a Google Sheet. So you could do lots of creative stuff from from that platform.
0: There's a ton of Zap, like Zapier integrates with Google Sheets. Yeah, all these automation tools integrate with Google Sheets. And so, like, if you can get it in there in some sort of tab where it's updating automatically, you could like update a dashboard live. I mean, it's in the end, it's going to be more work maintaining than a reporting tool. But just for you know a one off kind of client thing, um, it could could be a great way to get started.
1: Uh, another story. Okay. Remember, we talked about before in the past, like, I think it was my prediction of this year, way back, if you go back to the January episode, first week when we did, is like, this is the year of instant payments. Yep. Right? Instant payments, instant payments. I think even last week, we talked about Gusto and their round, how Gusto's going to have employees that can be paid at the end of their shift, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. going to instant payments. Well, so the Federal Reserve was in the news last week because they lowered interest rates, but they also made some comments about, um, I don't know if you know this, they run ACH, Oh, right. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, essentially, it's, it all falls under the same. It's the Fed, right? Okay. So, 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 they pretty much design, they run, they do the movement of ACH. And ACH, historically, because it's a government thing, doesn't, doesn't really make profits. It just has to charge enough to cover the expenses, mm-hmm. right? And that's why ACH is so cheap. And that's why people love ECH. A a a government program that actually works? Yes. And is efficient? (laughs) It works so well, nobody wants to touch it. I think it's the perfect thing. So a few years back in 2015, they pretty much told private industry to build their own, quote unquote, something faster. So Mm -hmm. the banks did. I mean, the banks basically spent a billion dollars, all the big banks, and they built a payments network that was faster. Um, Zelle is a good example of this, this Mm peer-to-peer instant payments, right? Yeah. But they kind of just built it for themselves. And so you have 10,000 other banks in the smaller banks in the US, right? That don't don't really have access to this fancy network the big banks work together to build. Well, what the Fed said this week is they're now going to create their own instant payment system. So on one hand, the big banks are pissed they're pissed about this because it's going to cut into their profits, right? They really didn't, because they can make a lot of fees on this long term. Yeah. And it's becoming very political because on the other side of the coin, so you think like, oh, here we go, It's big business is going to influence government decisions. But on the other side of the coin, there's other big businesses like Walmart right. that do not want to pay the banks these fees, and they want a free government program to move their money around. Right. And so you're seeing this... Um, This big debate, and that's starting to become uh, partisan. Even, and here we go Elizabeth Warren worked her way out of the podcast again. (laughs) And I'm going to read her quote. She's like, big banks want to force families to use their private systems, Warren said. So again, Elizabeth Warren, if you're listening and you want to come on the podcast, like you, <laughs> every week, you somehow, to, like in the bottom of the article, every week, she somehow gets into an article and there's another one this week.
0: Whoever is doing PR comms for the Elizabeth Warren campaign is really on it, right? So like they're they're in everything. So good for them.
1: And I another related payment story. So we've uh, previously, we talked about Square. So everybody knows Square, those little white dongles you charge your credit cards, you know, the food trucks, etc. cetera.
0: Yeah, the, Original The original mobile credit card
1: swiper. Yeah. And, and they're huge, right? Square's grown. Yeah. Um, I've even said that they might be into its biggest threat in the United States, right? Mm-hmm. So they, uh, they announced their quarterly earnings and they talked uh, there was a little bit of numbers and they made some moves. So one thing they did is they sold their food delivery business to DoorDash. Um, they're, but what they're really doing is they're doubling down on their ecosystem plays. And so their ecosystem is really their small businesses. They're front-end consumers. They're now in payroll. They, they have a huge ecosystem of stuff. A couple of interesting notes. Um, their loans grew by 36% they give out 70,000 loans for $528 million in Q2. Wow. And, and thus far since 2014, they've given out $5 billion in loans to small businesses. Wow. And then I think we talked a little bit about, about their cash card. So they basically they have a Visa debit card for small businesses. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Square merchant, you're a Square food truck, and you go to buy your supplies for a food truck from a merchant that also uses Square, you can actually buy those with this Visa card and avoid all the fees on both ends. So you're just
0: transferring they're, direct from one square account to another.
1: Yes. Now, but what they've done now, mm-hmm. they've leveled this up. So right. now you can pay your employees directly to their square card. So now, so if you think about it. Oh, yeah.
0: okay. I'm this, a small this business is, yeah. owner.
1: Mm-hmm. Square has the money. Square's paying my employees. Square still has the money. Yeah. My employees are going to buy their lunch at a different food truck for somebody else who has a square reader and paying that food truck. They've completely cut the banks out of the entire equation. Like the full ecosystem. Yeah.
0: So wait, at what point does Square have to become a bank? Because that's what it <laughs> sounds like they are becoming at that point.
1: And we've talked about that uh, in yeah. previous episodes. They are trying to do that. But they've comp- if you think about it, like, I'm sure the banks know this is happening, but I think they probably never guessed it would happen. They're just being cut out of the complete equation. And that's all the stories I brought this week, Blake. So I promised at the
0: beginning of this episode I was going to talk about automation, and I specifically mentioned Andrew Yang and his platform. Are you familiar with Andrew Yang's platform, David?
1: Yeah. I mean, we talked about it in the podcast earlier.
0: A yeah, bit. we've done it in previous episodes. Basically, his idea is that automation is going to disrupt society to such an extent it's going to eliminate so many jobs that are core to our economy, like uh, truck driving, like fast food, like all these jobs with millions and millions of people, which by the way, you know, it's not so visible, but includes a good chunk of accounting. And so his, his platform is to create a universal basic income, universal basic income, where everybody in the country gets some set amount of money per month that allows them to fulfill the basic necessities like food and housing. Sounds like a crazy plan, but part of me really loves it because you can do away with a lot of social safety net programs that are super inefficient just by giving everyone a check. And the way Andrew Yang describes it is capitalism that doesn't start at zero. So I, I like this, right? It's it's really interesting. Sort of a, 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 One of my friends from, uh, from college uh, calls it robo-socialism. I, I just like the idea. I like that it's out there because... I'm very attuned to the amount of automation that's going to disrupt society. And some other folks are talking about this too. There was an article on CNN.com called The Robot Revolution is Here, Prepare for Workers to Revolt by Carl Benedict Frey. This is in CNN Business Perspectives, and it was published at the end of July. And he starts out by uh, talking about How in June, thousands of dock workers marched at the port of Los Angeles against the coming introduction of robotic machines threatening their jobs. Dock workers, by the way, are some of the most highly paid middle middle class jobs that you can get. And the dock workers in L.A. are so essential that they they do really well, right? But it's a job that's also highly susceptible to automation. And it used to be like you had people who physically all they did was like load and unload cargo by hand. And now we have these giant machines that can do it, right? And, but the machines are still piloted, but now there's versions of those machines that uh, are unpiloted, right? They're fully autonomous. So these dock workers who are left are protesting that. And I think they're a good ex- it's a good example of the you know, social unrest that will potentially occur when more and more stuff gets automated, right? And these good middle-wage jobs dis- start to disappear. One of the stats in this article is a Pew Research survey stat that says a staggering 85% of Americans support policies to restrict the rise of robots. And then, of course, he mentions Andrew Yang, uh, who is running to... He's, he actually, I think, misunderstands Andrew Yang's platform. He says he's running to protect jobs from automation, where actually he's running to create like a safety net to protect people from automation. But, you know, same idea.
1: Because anyway. I think Andrew Yang's take is, it's inevitable.
0: It's, it's inevitable. Yeah. yeah, you can't and, stop it.
1: And in the short term, for sure, people will lose their jobs. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. But at the same time, there's going to be new jobs created that we can't even imagine yet, but definitely in the short term.
0: And, and that's what this article is all about. It's a great read. So it uses the industrial revolution as uh, something to look back on and see what what can we expect from the automation that's going to happen. Because automation with AI is likely going to be as amazing, but also as disruptive as the Industrial Revolution was. And if you're a, a student of history, you may recall the Luddites who were famous for smashing machinery uh, and rioting and destroying all this automation during the Industrial Revolution between 1811 and 1816. But they were just one small part of all these machinery riots that swept across Britain, France, Germany, and China, among other places. There was a, a, a lot Of growth, output per worker grew by 46% during the Industrial Revolution. Between 1770 and 1840, output per worker grew by 46%. But the workers themselves weren't the ones who primarily benefited from that productivity growth. It was the uh, owners of, you know, as the, as Marx liked to put it, the owners of capital, right? Um, it was the factory owners. Uh, it was the new industrialists who primarily benefited. Now, eventually, the rest of everybody else benefited because we, like, it's kind of hard to argue with, right? Everybody, we all benefited from, from automation and factories, and now we have everything we could never have imagined. All right 100 200 years ago
1: on the whole society yes more yes. efficient more <laughs> gdp everybody benefits
0: right yeah. but during that whole process that that uh you know those decades it was really disruptive and caused a lot of, of problems um, for workers uh who either had to figure out how to retrain or they lost their jobs and there wasn't any sort of safety net at that time so it was even worse right So that's kind of the gist of this article, you know, uh, and there's some specific jobs that are called out in here. 3.5 million Americans work as cashiers, but Amazon now has stores that they're testing that have no cashiers. You know, there's obviously truck drivers, like automated trucks could uh, reduce the number of truck drivers that are necessary. You could have one driver who pilots a caravan of 10 trucks that are all following each other. So now you just need a tenth the number of drivers, that sort of thing. So I guess it's just a cautionary tale of yes this is going to create enormous efficiencies and productivity gains and we will all be better off when it happens but while it's happening there's going to be a lot of potential unrest and if you ask me you know the the, the political unrest we're seeing now is actually just a preview of what is to come because a lot of the the the, the disaffected folks in our society are people who lost their jobs to manufacturing automation over the last you know, 40 years, right? So imagine what will happen when service industries or professional uh, work or office work is automated to that extent. Something big to think about like long-term. And the tie-in, of course, to accounting is that I think uh, McKinsey says that something like 40 to 50% of accounting work can be automated.
1: Every time you see an article, every time you see an article about automation or jobs or what jobs are at the most risk, it's accounting and bookkeeping is always like number one on those lists. And (laughs) yeah, yeah. And what's the interesting with this is we're past the labor piece of this, the physical labor, right? Like like If I have a swimming pool business, people think I would be insane if I hired people to dig the swimming pool with shovels. Right, right? Like, it's just, it's, it's so common now, of course you're going to use a backhoe, even though, hey, that's 10 people that don't have jobs because I have a backhoe digging the swimming pool, right? But we're entering this new world where it's all the mental jobs. Yeah. Right? And that's where it's, it, it, it's people that have never been affected by this before are the ones getting affected now.
0: And to extend your analogy, right, traditional bookkeeping with data entry, where you're keying in transactions, that's the equivalent of digging a swimming pool with a shovel. Yeah. But we're still doing it in a lot of businesses. And it's it's going to go away,
1: and so I think it's 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 the natural course. It's just you're right. It's it's very it's going to people are not going to like it. It's going to be very disruptive. So that's that's why I
0: like that you know somebody in the in the Democratic debates is bringing this issue up because it may not be here now, but it is going to be one of the defining challenges of our generation figuring out what to do. With the people who are displaced, and do we retrain them? Do we simply, you know, give them cash? Do, do we, like, what do we do? What is going to work the best? Yeah, and but, and not many people are talking about it.
1: But I mean, essentially, Trump won because he spoke to people who lost their jobs due to manufacturing. Yeah, Yang's trying to speak to people that might lose their jobs in the future, and that's a. It's a different. It's going to be harder for him to make that argument.
0: Yeah. To, well, to, I, I think he's just trying to talk to the people who are making policy right now to avert further <laughs> further problems. Because we didn't when we when we shifted all of our manufacturing offshore, we didn't think long term about the impact of that, right? Nobody was out there saying, well, what is going to happen to these communities long term? It was all just right, short-term gain. So now there's all this, you know, effort to bring manufacturing back, but now it's all automated. So even if you do bring it back, there's not a lot of jobs to be had. So it's, uh,
1: I mean, and I on that a, note, your challenge, yes, with, uh, raising <laughs> kids, it's like, what do you tell your kids to be? Right. Well, it, and the part. job
0: that they think they might have, right. Might not even exist. Uh, you know, everyone wants to be a firefighter when they're a kid, right? That's the stereotype. Well, what if we no, have no, firefighting no,
1: no, 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 no. Everybody wants to be a YouTube, star. YouTube <laughs> star and now apparently bots are making YouTube videos. So those people, that, that career is dead.
0: Uh, and I think this just shows that like an investment in education is the best thing we could do because lifelong learning is what allows you to survive in a constantly changing economic environment like that you, you aren't going to learn how to do one thing in school and then do that for your career i mean that's been true for a lot of people in the professional world i think for a long time but maybe that hasn't been true for a long time for a long time it used to be you could just you know go major in accounting get a job have that job for 40 years it doesn't change much done right I don't think that exists anymore
1: not not in the same way it used to but no. it, we, it, you have to be da- dynamic um and there's constantly new jobs being created but you're right if you don't have the ability to learn or to take have the energy to learn something it's going to be it's difficult and i yeah. also think this is going to uh, have a lot of impact on age demographics you know it's really yeah. hard to tell somebody that's 58 years old they're you know seven to ten years away from retirement Uh, go retrain yourself and get a new job and somebody's going to have to take care of those people. I don't have the answers. That's it for me.
0: We will continue to search for those answers in upcoming episodes of the Cloud Accounting Podcast. David, where should people go to connect with you online and to continue this discussion? If you have solutions, I'd love to hear them.
1: Solutions because this has turned into the political podcast. I think Elizabeth Warren <laughs> made it. Andrew Yang made it. We talked about yeah. the debates. It turned into the, uh, the p- politics podcast here this week. The uh, best way to get a hold of me is going to be on Twitter.
0: I'm at David Leary. And I am at Blake T. Oliver and I would love to hear what you think about any of these issues if you think uh, I'm an idiot, if you think these are good ideas, if you've got something to suggest that we haven't even thought of. We don't know what we don't know. And please do consider subscribing to our show notes. You can go to BlakeOliver.com. And if you click on the blue subscribe banner, you'll get subscribed to the show notes. They go out every week after the episode drops. And it has a link to the episode webpage where you can click on all the links that we talk about.
1: I think that's a wrap.
0: Thanks, David. Great to talk and uh, talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.